Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. This is our regularly scheduled programming. We almost, the last week, we've had so many special episodes, I almost forgot it's Tuesday, a regular episode. Well, it may be regular and scheduled, but we've got a lot of news that's big and exciting and uh, scintillating. Senator Ron Johnson, the chairman of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, the man who dared to subpoena FBI Director Chris Ray yesterday, saying enough is enough. I'm tired of the FBI's foot dragging in the Russia and Ukraine cases. He put Christopher uh, Ray's feet to the fire with a subpoena with an August 20th deadline. Washington's waiting to see, will the FBI comply or will Chris Ray uh, uh, try to run out the clock before the election? Uh, Senator Johnson's here to talk about that. Plus, he had some pretty big things to say about Ukraine. We're going to deal with that in a second because last night I got a lawsuit with a FOIA. We got new documents on Hunter Biden. Uh, You're going to want to hear about that. Uh, And Chris Fenton, the former Hollywood movie mogul, uh, who talked to us last week about China. He's got his new book out. He hinted at it when he was with us about a month ago. We're going to talk to him about everything we've learned about China and Hollywood, the deep ties that bind and the dangers that it presents to America. Chris Fenton, a Hollywood um, movie studio chief and uh, author of a new book that will really be eye-opening to you. So let's go to that commercial break we always take about this time of the day. And when we come back, we'll uh, give you an update on what we learned from Senator Ron Johnson's letter yesterday. It's an eye-opener. It makes a lot of claims backed up by a timeline and evidence. You're not gonna wanna miss what we have to say. Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Uh, You always ask, what can we do to support your reporting, this great podcast, to support Just the News, where we now produce over 50 stories a day and videos. We're very proud of the workflow we have here. Well, one of the things that you can do is you can go and support our advertisers and sponsors, the people you just heard from in the commercial break, the ones you'll hear from later in the show. They are amazing folks, Chamonix and... uh, the uh, Omaha Steak folks in Kansas City Steak, so many great people that are supporting our show. We're very proud of them. The work they're doing, Simply Safe, uh, really great people. Uh, they support our journalism. They support the show. And I ask if you can to support them by buying their products. When you do, let them know that Just the News, John Solomon sent you. That will mean a lot in keeping our great partnerships going. Also, you can go to the JTN shop, jtnshop.com. That's the new Just the News store that we opened about a couple months ago. We've got great products there. The Phone Pro Cleaner, my favorite one. I use that every morning. I put my phone in it before I go to work, start my day with a germ-free phone. Uh, That's something worth it if you've got a hankering for seafood. The crab legs and lobster are to die for. I, I just uh, took mine out of the freezer and boiled them up over the weekend. Unbelievable family treat. Good way to end the summer with a good seafood dinner sitting outdoors, socially distancing, I'm sure, and washing your hands, I'm sure. But great food. There are other fantastic products. Uh, there's a hand sanitizer that I use every day. I brought it into the office. Everybody at Just the News is using it. It's great because it not only sanitizes your hands, it's got some aloe so that the alcohol doesn't wear out your skin and make it all scaly and uh, dry and sore. So 
Great stuff there. Uh, there's a wand you can wave over with a UV red light. We'll sterilize any item you have, your keys, a book, uh, your mail. Uh, fantastic product. Only, I think, $89 at the store. Great things. Please go check it out. And if you buy something, know that a part of the proceeds will go to support Just the News and John Solomon Reports, the very podcast that you're listening to. Uh, last week, I want to thank you for listening as well. We had our all-time high record week. Uh, this week, we may come back and surprise you. I think we're going to do a podcast every day this week, five days a week. We already had a fantastic podcast yesterday with the author, Matt Margolis, who highlighted all the journalism flaws in the COVID coverage. Today, you got Senators Ron Johnson and Chris Fenton. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, some big guests. Stay tuned. I'm going to tease you with a big one. Sean Hannity, yes. Sean Hannity, my friend, the, the host of the one of the number one Fox News shows on primetime is joining us tomorrow to talk about his new book. You do not want to miss that. And the rest of the week, we'll have similarly big guests. So stay tuned all week. A very special week, a five-day week for John Solomon Reports, our first five-day week, the first time we've ever managed to have five guests on in a single week. So stay tuned. It's an exciting week. We'll try to do this more often when we can. In the meantime, I promise to get to the stuff that Senator Johnson delivered Monday morning. We broke it on Just the News about 6 a.m. Monday. You've probably seen it by now, but he wrote a 12-page letter, an open letter that lays out not only his concerns with the FBI and the Russia collusion, delusion, the uh, bogus investigation, the abuses, the FISA abuses, the false testimonies that Senators Johnson, Grassley, and Graham have done such a good job exposing. But he also pivoted to a subject that most in the media are uncomfortable talking about because it was the subject of the impeachment proceedings earlier this year. A lot of the media have dismissed, I think wrongly, the facts that um, Joe Biden uh, and Hunter Biden engaged in the appearance of a conflict of interest. Well, uh, Senator Johnson is not one of those ignoring it. He is pressing the issue. He's accusing the media of willfully uh, uh, ignoring evidence of a conflict of interest. He called it a glaring conflict of interest. And yesterday he lays out a timetable that is so important to understand why there was a conflict of interest. And he's going to talk about this in a few minutes on the show. But before, let me lay out the predicate, the time, the facts that um, Senator Johnson and his committee have obtained through documents. April, uh, February 2014, there's a revolution in Ukraine, one of America's most important allies in the old Soviet Union bloc. Um, it throws out that revolution in February 2014, throws out the president who was aligned with Vladimir Putin and the Russians, a guy named Yanukovych, and then a new president is brought in, a more Western-friendly, pro-democratic, le seemingly less corrupt president named Petro Poroshenko, and uh, Joe Biden is given the portfolio. And Joe Biden makes his first trip after the revolution in April of 2014. He's on the ground in Kiev, the capital, and uh, he talks about um, the importance of building up natural gas in Ukraine. That's April 2014. Now, let me give you the sequence. On or about April 14th, uh, Joe Biden meets with his son's business partner, a guy named Devin Archer. He then goes to Ukraine on or about the 21st, 22nd of April, where he gives this speech saying, Ukraine, you need to build out your natural gas infrastructure if you want to not be reliant on Vladimir Putin and those bad Russians. And oh, by the way, I have some Americans here who can help you with that. He says that in the public speech. We have that transcript. It's been on just the news. The next day, Devin Archer, the guy that Hunter Biden met with uh, at the White House, uh, Joe Biden met with at the White House, Hunter Biden's business partner, miraculously, he gets appointed to the Burisma Holdings Natural Gas Board. And then not just a few days later, Hunter Biden gets on the Natural Gas Board of Burisma. So the vice president comes in. He's overseeing Ukraine policy. He calls for natural gas expansion in Ukraine. And his son and his son's business partner and friend suddenly get on the board of a company, Burisma Holdings, that not only a, a large natural gas holder and producer, it is a company dogged by corruption and investigations for a very long time. Senator Johnson lays out that table and says, uh, timetable and says, of course it was a conflict of interest. The message that Burisma sent by hiring Hunter Biden is if you want to get along with Joe Biden and the Obama administration, you better leave Burisma alone. 
that is an extraordinary development, an extraordinary timetable that creates the very appearance of a conflict of interest. And this isn't me saying this. First off, the senator has the facts, the documents, the timetable substantiated in the letter. I encourage you to go to justthenews.com, search for Senator Johnson's name, you'll find my story. But secondly, Senator Johnson has obtained testimony, as has the impeachment um, proceedings last year from people like George Kent, a former diplomat in Kiev, U.S. diplomat in Kiev, his boss, Maria Ivanovich. They said under oath in testimony, Joe Biden's conduct undercut the American effort to drive out corruption in Ukraine, and it created the appearance of a conflict of interest. And George Kent actually testified, believe it or not, he tried to go to Joe Biden and raised concerns about Hunter Biden's role on the board and Joe Biden overseeing Ukraine policy, but he got rebuffed. That is the sort of evidence that Senator Johnson over two and a half years has put together. And uh, you're going to hear from him in a few minutes why he thinks there's a glaring conflict of interest, why he thinks the media is ignoring it, and what he's going to do to uh, get to the bottom of the story of Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Ukraine, Ukraine corruption, a conflict of interest. You're not going to want to miss that interview. First, though, we're going to go to Chris Fenton for a quick update. We had him on this show a couple of weeks ago. He did what I call a self-confessional, a Hollywood movie executive acknowledging that his industry is addicted to China money and as a result compromises American values in the process, empowers China, allows for censorship, allows for other bad conduct. Chris Fenton now has has put his book out. You're not going to want to miss this book. It is a must-read, a game-changer. If you care about China, if you want to know what Hollywood's been doing behind the scene, Chris Fenton is going to join us right after the commercial break. And then, before we wrap up the show, Senator Ron Johnson, the chairman of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, one of the most powerful chairmen in the Senate. He's going to join us to talk about all things Ukraine and Russia. But first, this very important commercial break. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, the very special guest, Chris Fenton. He's got his new book out. You have to read this book. I downloaded it on my Kindle. It is awesome. Feeding the Dragon Inside the Trillion Dollar Dilemma Facing Hollywood, the NBA, in American business. You've heard from Chris. He was on our show just a month ago. He was so popular. We've asked him back because this new book is a must read. Chris, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's so great to be back. Thanks for having me back on, John. Oh my gosh, this is such an important book. You, you lay out in just plain fact detail the addiction that these big industries, the NBA, Hollywood, big business, the Chamber of Commerce, the addiction they have to China money and the, the, the short-term interest of being profitable and being successful uh, seems to outweigh the long-term interest of what America's interest is, what our national security, our cultural interest is. Tell us a little bit about why you wrote the book and what you think the, the overarching big uh, headlines are for the book. Well, the initial reason I wrote the book is because it was just a really colorful sort of Michael Lewis-esque journey for, of my, my career from roughly 2000 to 2015 when I entered the China-U.S. dynamic in uh, commercial and cultural exchange between the two countries. Right. And I really just wanted to show the fog of war, the colorful characters, the really interesting adventures that happen in just trying to get business done between these two superpowers under the mission, which we now know has been misguided, of globalism, right? We wanted to get into that market no matter what it took, whether it, it took moving manufacturing over there, dealing with quotas and tariffs, high technology transfers, forced JVs, whatever it is, there's a laundry list. 
It's it is remarkable, and I remind I, I want to remind folks. You so you, at the time that you were getting involved in this, there was uh, you were heading a movie studio that had a lot of dealings with China, right? So you saw firsthand what was going on. Yeah, we were um, we were the sort of the first that got in there in regards to really incorporating China relevancy into the movies themselves. Um, so there are Hollywood movies, and the goal was for somebody in Indiana or in Germany not to notice the China relevancy in there, but to really promote the China relevancy, whether it was artists or below-the-line crews, locations, um, mythology or script details in those movies to the CCP. So they would give us wind to our back to access their massive consumer market, which, by the way, is going to overtake the United States of America as far as box office next year. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Who would have thought that uh, America would cede its leadership in, in movie box offices to to China? Uh, this book is, to me, um, it's a riveting, fast read. You can't Once you pick it up, you can't set it down because you walk through all of these stories, they're little anecdotes that tell big, a bigger story about the, the trade-off that these industries, whether it's the NBA, Hollywood, the American Chamber of Commerce, big companies, multinational companies, um, the trade-off they made. I mean, everybody knows when they're going into China that the Chinese want something that it may be even somewhat un-American when they go into these no negotiations. It could be censorship. It could be that. And you capture this so amazingly in the book. Tell me about one of those trade-off moments when you're, you're, you're at the table with something with China when it dawns on you, you know what, this is probably not an American thing to do. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because when you're in that fog of war under that mission of globalism, you don't really notice what you're doing. You get chirps in your ear from various individuals. Like, for instance, my wife kept saying to me, and I have it in the book, are you sure you want to do this? Is this the right thing to do? Right. And I said, yes, 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 because you believe so much in opening that market no matter what. And even executives um, sometimes question what I was trying to do. I mean, there was, there was uh, actually an excerpt that uh, – one of the industry trades um, put out there the other day from the book about how I tried to convince Marvel to um, utilize, in essence, Xi Jinping's child as the person who helped Iron Man 3 saved the day in Iron Man 3. And I walk the reader through that creative process and why it actually made sense, because quite frankly, um, I don't know if a lot of Americans know this, but the CCP actually sends over their senior leaders here to live amongst Americans. And uh, and Xi Jinping was one of those CCP That's leaders right. who lived in Iowa for years. Yeah. Um, but the, the bottom line is, is that idea was so full of bravado on my side that Marvel said, no, 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 we can't go that far. And there's a really fun sort of um, back and forth in a meeting room with various Marvel executives about how we got to where we ended up in with Iron Man 3 in that particular plot. So there was pushback in various places. And then in other places, it was like, oh, how much more money do we make? Let's do it. There's a line in the book um, that really struck me, and I'm, I'm just swinging my Kindle up here so I can get to it, but um, self-reflection is an extremely powerful force. When I started writing, I felt passion as a voice of dissent. By the end, I learned I was also complicit. So you were under the spell of China, you felt, right? When you, when you look back at yourself now, that person... Yeah, I wasn't under the spell of China, per se. I was under the spell of this rampant globalism mission that we had yeah. here in the United States and elsewhere. And I was under the spell of how massive that market was. And if we could get products and services in there, I was thinking, well, that's going to create American jobs. That's going to create an increase of GDP. It's going to move some of our soft power influence into that country. So it's all good. And like I said, there was chirping in my ear throughout the book. And then that moment where I realized I was complicit, and I feel like an idiot about this, but it didn't happen until a couple days after the GM of the Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, tweeted out that support for Hong Kong back right. in October of last year. And it wasn't until 
until even after that, I was like, oh, that's going to be a problem for the NBA in China. That's the way I was programmed. <laughs> right. I didn't think for a minute that the American public was going to wake up and go, wait a minute. Why are they inhibiting his right to free speech here in the U.S. where that's protected by law? That's ridiculous. Has the NBA been doing things like this for a long time? Have other companies been doing that for a long time? Has Hollywood been doing that for a long time? And that's where I really woke up to it and said, I need to address that in this book and tee up how we actually got there, right? Like a lot of the people involved in this mission of globalism aren't bad people. They're right. not evil or whatever. It's just a lot of us caught up as cogs in the wheel just trying to get a job done. But now that you look back at it, hey, we need to address this as a nation. This is a real threat to our country's welfare as in regards to economic health and also national security. The, um, the book is great because it not only explains how we got to this moment, and of course this moment, as you were wrapping the book, President Trump was taking some dramatic actions, including last week, continuing to put pressure on China with sanctions and, and decoupling uh, uh, China's right to invest in our markets without uh, complying with our, uh, our accounting and other ethics rules that we have on the stock markets. So the, uh, the president's actually outpaced the book. As the book was coming to, there were these amazing developments. But what I like about your book is at the end, you, you also have a prescription, which is I'm not, you're, you're not advocating that we become an isolationist and just cut China off entirely. But I, there's a line in the book, we must continue to feed the dragon, but we must do so without resorting to activities that marginalize the principles, ethics, interests, and beliefs of Americans. In other words, engage China, continue to invest, in, to, but do so in a way that we don't compromise things like free speech and on censorship and things like that. Uh, that's where you're headed, right? That's where, that's where you come out of this book. Is that correct? A hundred percent. I mean, we are very and we've spent 40 years entangling ourselves with China. This is not the USSR back in the 80s. And it's since it's definitely not China back in the 1950s and 60s. Right. This is a big superpower. We're very entangled. We have a lot to gain from accessing those uh, the our that market with our products and services if we do it right. And I love the fact that uh, President Trump and Pompeo and Bill Ma uh, Bill Barr and 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 various others are starting to bring to light, uh, you know, Senator Hawley and Rubio and right. and Blackburn, et cetera, bringing to light the fact that we have this issue. I don't even care what the overlying agenda is by bringing that up, whether it's trying to get reelected or whatever it is. It's just the fact we need to talk about this publicly. It can't be a third rail issue, and we need to address it as a nation unified because China is a a very formidable challenge and they play the long game and they are willing to wait it out so we need to be ready to be disruptive and work together to fix this and even incorporate our western allies when needed the um we had the truman doctrine we had the reagan doctrine i think i, I came out of the book thinking there's a fenton doctrine here because you have five forces that you talk about um leveraging uh national security politics human rights culture and commerce Describe going forward how you would like to see those principles, those forces for good employed against China so that we continue to invest. We have a strategic relationship with them, but not at the expense of what makes America uniquely America. Yeah, my feeling is it's like over, if we play the long game, we might be able to win them over eventually on the human rights politics, national security front, but that is a very long game. We need to agree to disagree in the short term and come up with rules of engagement that allow us to feel okay about not agreeing with them on those principles in order to do cultural and commercial exchange. Because that cultural and commercial exchange, if you're a hawk, it's a really strong weapon. If you're a dove, it's a fantastic tool for diplomacy. But when it comes down to it, that cultural and commercial exchange brings money out of China, which quite frankly, they owe us. I mean, we help build what they are today. So let's get our money back from that place, right? Let's monetize it. Let's get the money back here from them buying our products and services. Let's grow our GDP. Let's create jobs. And in the process, Every time a kid wears a pair of Nikes, every time a kid watches a movie, every time a kid um, drinks out of a Starbucks cup, that millennial, that younger generation is going to be infiltrated with the Western democracy principles that make us America. So over time, 
we might be able to get there and win that populace over. It's going to take time. But on the immediate side of it, there's a lot of money to make and there's a lot of good health for the American economically to get done between now and that, you know, unicorn and rainbow moment down the road. In the, in, the, in the meantime, your argument is let's hold the line on things like censorship or uh, other requests that the Chinese make that are just inappropriate for access to the market, correct? A hundred percent. I don't want any particular celebrity or single CEO or single company standing up for that because they will be in a whack-a-mole sacrificial lamb situation to protect our right of free speech, for instance, where, you know, we want to have the Taiwanese flag on the back of Tom Cruise's jacket for people in Germany and Argentina and around the U.S. to see. We have that right. They have no right to censor us beyond their borders. And quite frankly, in their borders, they can firewall anything that's happening outside of their borders anyway. So that's got to stop. But the only way we can get it to stop is if all Hollywood studios stand behind Paramount and say, we are keeping the flag on that jacket. And that includes not only just Hollywood, but every business and every leader in this country and the citizens. We have to back our laws, our rules, our values, our principles together in order to have the leverage to get China to back off. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult. We're just going to see one CEO replaced with another one that's willing to bury his head in the sand. It is remarkable, and I think there is strength in numbers. If there, if we can get Americans just to agree on a few things, uh, our relationship with China is clearly one of them. Folks, if you haven't gotten this book yet, you must get it. Everyone is talking about it. All my friends are talking about it. We even mentioned it over the weekend uh, over stakes on the back uh, deck. Feeding the Dragon, Inside the Trillion Dollar Dilemma, Facing Hollywood, the MBA, and the American Business. Chris Fenton gives an incredible insider's perspective because he was there at the forefront when these relationships were being built uh, and he's got an, a very wise and I think wor worthwhile prescription for how we navigate this over the next few years so we don't cut China off entirely but we also don't cut off our values in the process. Chris, I can't thank you for joining the show. Uh, we're going to have you back on often. Our reader, our readers and our listeners love you so uh, we'll have you back as soon as we can but thank you and good luck with the book. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. Anybody wants to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the Dragon Feeder, and I'm happy to come back anytime. Godspeed. At the Dragon Feeder. I got to remember that. That's a good one. All right. That's a, that's a memorable one. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, thank you so much, and uh, we'll be back with you soon. A pleasure. All right, folks, we'll be back after the commercial break. And when we do, Senator Ron Johnson just subpoenaed the FBI Director Chris Ray. You're not going to want to miss this. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest indeed, Senator Ron Johnson, the chairman of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, a man who created a lot of news this week with a subpoena for Chris Ray. Senator, th uh, thank you for joining us. Happy to, John. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. You've gotten a lot of attention the last couple of days, and I, I think the American public has been wondering, why doesn't the FBI give us the documents that the Senate needs to complete its investigation? What do you think has been going on? Well, um, <laughs> I know it's been going on. They've, they've certainly been slow-walking things. Uh, in my 12-page uh, open letter, I certainly described to a certain extent my theory of the case. You know, and this doesn't just have to do with the FBI. This is pretty much all these agencies. And I think I first start out with the question, you know, what percentage of the employees of these different federal agencies think, do you think voted for Hillary Clinton versus uh, voted for President Trump? Uh, how, how many think will vote for Biden versus President Trump? I, I think the answer is pretty obvious. And so what we have you know, experienced is just pretty much a, a stonewall in almost every one of these agencies. Uh, 
dating back literally years, but the worst has been the FBI. And you have to ask yourself why. You have a Republican president. You think those agencies under Republican president would be opening up to a Republican chairman of the Senate uh, Oversight Committee, but it hasn't been the case. So again, you kind of, why? I mean, we certainly understand the resistance uh, throughout the country to President Trump. That resistance also resides in these in these agencies. You know, it was a Kleinsmith, I think, uh, uh, in one of the famous emails, texts from the FBI, said, "Viva the resistance." The right. president had two, president had two phone calls leaked. One one to the phone to the Prime Minister of uh, Australia, one to the President of uh, Mexico, within two weeks of being in office. And then, of course, we know what the Colonel Vidman did with the whistleblower and others. So. Uh, I think the individuals who are opposed to President Trump, there are many of them in these agencies. Some of them, quite honestly, could have been involved in some of the activities that we're trying to get to the bottom of, that we're trying to provide oversight on. So they know they know what Democrats did. Uh, they know what evidence may exist of it. Uh, they probably know where the, the evidence is hiding, and it's probably in their best interest uh, to make sure that it remains hidden. Or if they weren't involved, uh, they would rather see – uh, a President Biden than a second term for President Trump, and they realize that when we get the results of our investigation, uh, as we get results and we make it public, uh, that may not prove helpful to, to uh, Vice President Biden, let's put it that way. So uh, I want to make sure, I, I want to pin you down on this because I've heard a lot of people say this behind the scenes, but you think that some of the foot dragging may just actually be political bias, someone acting on their election instincts instead of their constitutional obligation to provide Congress documents. Is that correct? Yes, I, I think that's pretty obvious. Wow. But, I, you know, I, I could be wrong, I doubt it. Yeah, no, that's that's fascinating. Well, it, it is inexplicable. I mean, you started working on this, what, in 2017? And basic documents that, that aren't there, uh, that, you know, are key to the investigation still haven't been produced. And there's there's almost a deafening silence when you ask why. I mean, I call the FBI and say, why haven't you complied? And they have no answer. Well, it's, you know, initially, it's there's a criminal investigation. Right. Then there was a, then there was a special counsel investigation. But literally, when that ended... Uh, what we first of all did is we summarized to the FBI a letter in, in September 2019 listing all of our oversight requests, you know, re-upping the request. Right. And we still literally haven't got squat, but what we have determined, you know, thanks to Inspector General Horowitz, you know, the Pfizer report uncovered an awful lot. Sure but not did. everything. You know, I had to have a staff member go down in the, the secure area of the Senate and read all the redacted and all the classified parts of that that report. It was my staff member that uh, determined or found those four footnotes that completely contradicted what uh, Bill Priestap said in the main body of the report that the FBI had no knowledge of any kind of Russian interference or disinformation. That's right. The footnotes completely contradicted that. Fortunately, we had Attorney General Barr and acting uh, defense or uh, DNI Brunel, help us in get, get that declassified. So now the American people realize that the FBI was made aware somewhere between October 2016 and early in 2017 that Russian agents were trying to infiltrate the steel organization, and there are parts of Russian disinformation in the steel dossier. Now we know that, but it's been it's been dribs and drabs, and, and the most recent drip was what uh, Senator Graham released on Sunday, a briefing paper. Yeah, an FBI briefing paper for people who are going to brief the Senate Intelligence Committee a year after all this stuff was known in early 2018, and they were it was a calculated lie. They, they were going to, they misled the Senate Intelligence Committee that they thought that the steel dossiers were still reliable. Wow, I mean, th- this is so beyond the pale. This is outrageous, and yet the the, the silence in the mainstream media is is quite deafening. When you look at Chris Ray's performance trying to clean up this very giant mess, are you satisfied he's the right guy for the right job? Do we need a new FBI director? Do we need a change of guard after three years of watching him in leadership? I have not been impressed at all. I've been highly disappointed in him. I actually had a breakfast meeting with him two years ago on an outstanding request, and he set me up with a congressional liaison. I was going to take care of all of it. I don't think we got anything from him. Wow. Uh, that was, again, that was that was the summer of 2018 that I sat down. And he, he gave me his assurance that he'd start producing documents. 
and they, they basically didn't. And now, of course, this briefing occurred on his watch. Yeah, that's he's right. Just, 2018, he's in charge. It's no longer James Comey's FBI. He's in charge. So all, all of a sudden, you know, to me, he's a material witness in this. Wow. And is, is he going to basically have the same story as Rod Rosenstein, where he seems completely not curious or completely incompetent uh, or, or simply couldn't, re, you know, re, recall things? Um, we'll probably get a lot of that as some of these documents come forward and, and we, with those documents, start to calling people in for uh, testifying. Wow. So he has until August 20th to comply with your subpoena. If he doesn't provide the documents, what do you do next? Well, I mean, that's the reason agencies don't comply with congressional subpoenas is we're pretty toothless. You know, we could go to the floor of the Senate and, first of all, through my committee and take a vote on contempt of Congress. But even when you've been voted in contempt of Congress, uh, you, you need somebody to actually adjudicate that contempt. Uh, you know, who, who knows where the clock's going to run out here? Now, obviously, uh, Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress. Yeah, nothing's but ever Eric happened Holder eight years was later. The Attorney General <laughs> in charge of actually prosecuting contempt of Congress. So, right. uh, you know, unfortunately, Congress is quite toothless in its yeah. oversight uh, activities. I hate to say that. You know, I. I wish it were more powerful, but right. the fact of the matter is, the you know, it, it, it's simply not. Do you intend to call Chris Ray to answer for his conduct, the things that happened on his watch, twenty seventeen summer Ford? Well, my guess, uh, FBI is primarily under the jurisdiction of Lindsey Graham. Mm -hmm. You know, Lindsey is digging into these things. He would probably have the first shot at uh, calling Chris for Ray. I, I did not in my subpoena authority. I, I didn't ask for Christopher Ray because we were just looking for documents. Right. Uh, so I would have to go back to the well in my committee and take yeah. another vote. Now, your your letter is full of extraordinary revelations. And, and one of the things that struck me, you know, you, Russia and Ukraine are in, inextricably, in fact, it looks like a continuum. In my book, Fallout, I talk about it being sort of a scandal continuum because from Russia, we transition to Ukraine. But you, you lay out a timetable where Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's actions in Ukraine are laid out very moment by moment. And you come to the conclusion that there's a glaring conflict of interest that Joe Biden and his son engaged in. Most of the media ignored that revelation, but how important is that? And what do you plan to do to highlight and, and mitigate or you know, bring to the public's attention the federal statutes that cover uh, you know, ethics uh, violations like this? Well, first of all, the public has to be aware of this, what I call glaring conflict of interest. You know, the, the, the media is covering for Joe Biden. Uh, they're part and parcel of the Democrat Party. And so you hear the mantra from the media, you know, there's, there's no evidence of, of wrongdoing or any illegal act on the part of Hunter or, or Joe Biden in Ukraine. Uh, okay, I know they haven't been charged with crime, but I couldn't disagree more uh, with the statement that there's no evidence of wrongdoing. And so what I did is I just kind of organized what's already publicly known. So let me just take a couple minutes to tell your listeners what's publicly known. Please. The, the, the revolution of dignity. That occurred in, in February 2014, and it was primarily a, a, a revolution against the corruption, the, the legacy of corruption from Russia that they weren't able to rid themselves of the first governments after the, the Orange Revolution. So, so here you have a revolution in February 2014, all about ridding Ukraine society of, of corruption. Two months later, Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner, meets with Vice President Biden at the White House. Five days later, Vice President Biden travels to Ukraine and is described by the media as the face of the administration's handling of Ukraine. A day later, Devin Archer is appointed to the board of Burisma. Five days later, so I mean, no, six days later, uh, British authorities seize the bank accounts containing $23 million of Nikolia uh, Zolchevsky. Yeah. Okay. These Ukrainian names are hard, and that's one of the reasons it's <laughs> confusing. Okay, but, he, but he's the owner of Burisma Oil. Right. So Archer has just been appointed a day after uh, vice president in Ukraine. Archer joins the board, and six days later, the owner of that business, his bank accounts are seized, containing $23 million in. Uh, in Britain. 15 days after those bank accounts were seized, Hunter Biden joins the board. And of 
according to public reports, the two of them are paid anywhere between fifty and one hundred sixty thousand dollars per month mm-hmm. the next five years. So that that's that's three over three million dollars. If you just do the math on that, that's about six hundred thousand dollars a year for two of them serving on a board that I, I doubt any either one of them were had any qualifications of serving on whatsoever. The point I make is when you have a revolution all about anti-corruption, and by the way, all that activity with Hunter and, and Archer and Joe Biden occurred within a month. Amazing. Two months after the revolution, within a month, all this happened. What signal does that send to Ukrainian officials who are desperate for U.S. support? I mean, Putin did not like the revolution. He was going to do everything that he could to stabilize it. So That's right. Ukrainian officials are desperate for U.S. support. Obama appoints Vice President Biden to be the point man, and the, the owner of Burisma appoints Devin Archer and Hunter to his board. It's pretty obvious. And by the way, Zosevsky would have made sure that every Ukrainian official knew exactly that Hunter Biden was on his board. What what message does that send to Ukrainian officials? Desperate yeah. for U.S. support. The message is simple. If you want U.S. support, do not touch Burisma. It was protection now, money in your mind, right? Well, let's put it this way. A glaring conflict of interest. Yeah. Obvious. And yeah. for the press to just look away and say, oh, no evidence of wrongdoing or anything illegal. You know, maybe nothing illegal, but highly, highly, uh, from my standpoint, corrupt. And certainly a, a huge conflict of interest never should have happened. Well, it's funny, Senator, last night I got some documents from the State Department under my ongoing FOIA litigation, and you can see this Democratic law firm, Blue Star Strategies, which you focused on like a laser for many, many months now. Uh, they're invoking Hunter Biden's name as they're just relentlessly pressuring the State Department in the summer of 2016, while the election's going on, to get the State Department to get Ukraine to drop the corruption investigation of Zolchevsky, Burisma, and Hunter Biden's name comes up, and you see them just relentlessly pressuring the new ambassador. They're using cutouts and intermediaries. Tell us why Blue Star is so important to your investigation. Well, Blue Star is at the center of it, and they represented Burisma, and they were trying to uh, improve Burisma's image to U.S. government officials across the board. You know, they they allowed they had Burisma fund a, an event at the Brookings Institute. But they're just trying to polish Burisma's reputation. I, I can't really explain why. Uh, Blachewski is obviously a highly corrupt individual. He owns Burisma. Uh, there, there's all kinds of allegations. Everybody knows they're corrupt. Uh, why did they want to improve their reputation at the highest levels of the Obama administration? I mean, yeah. that's, that's part of the deal. These are very highly placed and well-connected people. They they're members of the Clinton administration. And so they're, they're trying to set up meetings. And again, this will all come out in our report. And of course, you've done a great deal of reporting. Um, so we just want to find out what was at the heart of all this. You know, with, with that glaring conflict of interest, the next question is, well, how might have that affected U.S. policy? How did that frustrate U.S. policy that was primarily, I mean, there are two goals of our policy, provide financial military support to Ukraine to counter Russia, and then do everything we can to help support their institutions so they could rid the country of corruption. You know, judicial reforms, that's the whole, that's everything we were pushing. That was our policy. In terms fix of U.S. It. policy toward Ukraine. And here you go, Joe Biden, uh, his son, is connected to in a, a you know widely recognized corrupt individual and a corrupt company, and so how did how could have that corrupted our efforts to you know really uh, you know hand employ our policy toward Ukraine? Right. It, it, had, it had to frustrate it, and of course you are aware of documents. So are we that you see the State Department is is highly concerned about this this conflict of interest. One of uh, Hunter Biden's former business partner, uh, the, the stepson of, at the time, Secretary of State Chris Harry, Hines, right? Yeah, Christopher Hines. Severed his, severed his relationship with Hunter Biden when he joined the board. He wow. realized how 
how awful a, a signal that sent. What a yeah. bad sign it was. Have so, you have you heard from you know you've done a lot of work and one of the great things you haven't leaked in your investigation also we don't really know what you have, but have you found State Department officials that saw this as a conflict of interest tried to alert the, uh, Joe Biden that this was undercutting Amer- American priorities in Ukraine? What have you found in terms of efforts to try to stop this glaring conflict of interest that you talk about? Well, we have, and I think some of those some of some of those things have been made public. And and John, the, the reason I don't want to start blurting out bits and pieces of our investigation is you want everybody to have a fair chance to explain things. Good point. Now, again, I, I want to tell the whole truth. If there is evidence of wrongdoing, doing the American people need to know that. If the evidence shows there's just minimal or no wrongdoing, the American people need to know that as well. But we have been so frustrated in our attempt to get the documentation that we need before we can sit down and interview people. Yeah. You know, as, as I understand the documents you just obtained in your FOIA request, we haven't received. Unbelievable. And, and, and it sounds like some of those documents might have been very pertinent to some interviews we conducted just last week. Wow. So I, I cannot tell you how frustrated and ticked off, I'll use that, ticked off <laughs> sure. at where we are here. So, yeah. yeah, I subpoenaed the FBI and, you know, expect additional subpoenas to be forthcoming. Is the State Department someplace you're looking at because of the slow walking of documents here? Well, we certainly got the authority to subpoena them. And what, what I just learned with your FOIA request, that we didn't have those documents which were completely uh, responsive to our, our request. We should have had those, quite honestly, well before you did, and we didn't. That speaks volumes. Uh, does Mike Pompeo need to intervene? Do we need a Secretary of State? Just like Chris Ray, right? You're asking Chris Ray, where's Mike Pompeo's responsibility in this uh, production? Should should he be brought to? Should this be brought to his attention? Well, certainly a subpoena would bring it to his attention. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I had found, by the way, the subpoenas work. Remember Blue Star? Right. Uh, yeah, that was that was first of all on a bipartisan basis. You know, my committee said, well, if you really want Blue Star records, rather than you know. Subpoenaing Teloshenko, you know, this Ukrainian, they're all they're right. all worried about. The FBI wasn't worried about him, but they were. Right. Uh, why don't you just subpoena Blue Star? So, okay, I'll do that. Now, recognizing that they probably weren't going to cooperate. Uh, but then when it came time to the vote, every Democrat that suggests I subpoena Blue Star strategy voted against that. But you know, in the run up to that vote on, on subpoena for Blue Star, you know, Blue Star uh, representatives saying, "Oh, we've been completely cooperating. We turned over pages of information. Yep. You know, over over six month time period, they they coughed up 149 pages. Once we dropped the subpoena on them, all of a sudden we got 2,600. And and John, we are quite sure they haven't they haven't turned over many documents, and probably some of them are key documents. I'm sure. I'm sure that's what we keep finding. I mean, even in my lawsuit, the Justice Department declared they had no more documents, and then they, after we protested, they found thousands of more pages. So uh, it's a it's a it's a shell game, and uh, I really commend you, sir, for continuing to dig in and try to help the American public get the truth. When uh, when do you think we will see? Uh, last question, because I know you have to run. I know how busy you are. When do you think we'll see your first work product or report that kind of helps the American people? I mean, the letter was incredibly helpful, but when do we think see your first official? report well first of all let me give a shout out to your investigatory efforts because they've been you've been attacked mercilessly yeah uh, and keep plotting on and you've just done a great job and you know people really do, do need to understand why we need a free press yeah you have the capability of, of getting sources because they're confident you're not going to uh, blow their identity so the press is crucial in making uh you know public misdeeds public it's incredibly important so Thank i really you. appreciate your efforts there uh in terms of when we might produce a work product, I'm putting pressure on, you know, our staff. And again, this is a cooperative effort with Senator Grassley. Right. I sure am hoping early, you know, no later than mid-September, but I almost hate to say that because then the witnesses we're calling just continue to, to drag their feet as well. So uh, we're, we're going to relentlessly pursue this. Uh, I am an incredibly tenacious individual, and I'm a really ticked off tenacious individual. So <laughs> I could tell I'm from that letter uh, it, it had reached the boiling point because uh, you're, you're very congenial. But I could tell from that letter you were uh, you weren't you weren't joking anymore. You mean business, and they better they better comply. And those subpoenas, I think, back that up very quickly, sir. So. I want to thank you uh, for the time, and uh, we'll have you back as this investigation unfolds. And and, uh, I want to thank you, though, for helping the American people get to the bottom of the Russia-Ukraine scandals. Well, I would encourage all your listeners to go to our website or your link 
yep. and actually read the letter. I, I think they'll find it. I know it's 12 pages, but I think you'll find it very informative. I think it tells a, a powerful story. So please do that. It does. And John, thank you for all your efforts. God thank you, sir. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. All right, folks, Senator Ron Johnson uh, in the middle of one of the most important investigations uh, unfolding in Washington this summer. We'll be back right back after the commercial break and uh, to wrap things up. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. I'm exhausted. Wow, two big, important interviews. Chris Fenton on China and Hollywood. Senator Ron Johnson on Russia and Ukraine. Boy, we covered the the big three scandals going around Washington these days with COVID-19 and China and China's espionage and China's influence efforts in America. And then the Russia case that has now Put Chris Ray on the spot. He's under subpoena by Senator Ron Johnson, as you just heard. And Ukraine, a story of political conflicts of interest, hands in the cookie jar of American policy, a problem that will be, I think, begins rising again as Joe Biden heads into the fall election. Uh, remember what you just heard from Senator Ron Johnson. He believes he has confirmed the Bidens engaged in a conflict of interest. He's got witnesses who said they saw it and were concerned about it, and that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden undercut American policy on uh, ending corruption in Ukraine by engaging in the relationship with Burisma, enforcing the firing of the Ukraine prosecutor as Joe Biden did, the prosecutor who was investigating Hunter Biden's son's company, Hunter Biden's company, the one that employed him. You just heard all that from Senator Ron Johnson. A lot to take in. And it's pretty clear as we head into summer, Senator Johnson's got some big surprises. First, with the FBI subpoena. And as he said on this show just a few minutes ago, a new report coming out about Burisma, Ukraine, and the ethical conflicts of Joe and Hunter Biden in Kiev. You're not going to want to miss that. Uh, We're going to stay on top of that. We have a new exclusive story coming out tonight. Check us out, justthenews.com. Just before midnight, we'll post it. It'll be up all day tomorrow. Uh, New documents released by the State Department show an unbelievable pressure campaign by the company employing Hunter Biden on the State Department during the middle of the 2016 election. Pretty unseemly stuff. You're not going to want to miss it. Hint, hint, some of the documents I got, Senator Johnson said were not turned over under his document request. What's that mean? The State Department has been thwarting, wrongly withholding evidence from Senator Johnson's investigation. Hmm, I wonder why. Well, we'll know soon because Senator Johnson told us a new report coming out. We'll have more on that later this week. In the meantime, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports. I'm John Solomon, Editor-in-Chief of Just the News. I want to thank you for supporting our advertisers, listening to the show, reading the great content on Just the News. We can't do this without you. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with the great, the one and only Sean Hannity joining us. Special edition of John Solomon Reports Wednesday. Don't miss it. Until then, be safe and have a good rest of the day.